Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Spirit to Go with Brother Rod. Tonight we have our mid-season episode of Mark My Word at the Spirit to Go. We're, tonight we'll be covering Mark chapter 7 and 8. This year we're starting 15 minutes early. Just based on the material we'll have to cover, but just like always, um, we will cover everything. We will have open discussion at the Able Study. Um, so like with all our Bible studies, we first start with Romans 10 and 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. That's our key verse of salvation. It's our goal that everyone is saved. If you have any information or inquiry about that, verse just get in contact with us so we can get you in your newfound relationship with god we pray that you are saved amen we get you at a church home to build that relationship all right so this is the title mark my word right so mark my word is just a play on word i said every bible study and it's taken from my foundation verse which is galatians chapter six and seven where it says do not be deceived that god is not mocked for whatever a man's soul's he will also read. Deceive is in red. Mock is in red. Deceive means he's telling us up front, do not be deceived, because that means we're going to be deceived. Whenever he says do not be deceived, that means you're going to be deceived. You're going to be tempted to be deceived, misled. And that's the father of lies, the deceiver himself, the enemy, Satan, the devil, if you want to call him that himself. He's going to try to deceive you right? Because he wants you to sow into the flesh. He wants you to sow into destruction. But but this is what we have to realize. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. So if you sow into the flesh, if you sow into things that are bad and evil, then that which you will reap of that. But if you sow into the spirit, then you will reap over spirit. And watch this. God says, don't get it twisted. I'm not mocked. You know what I'm saying? And, and the kids will say, well, don't mock me. Well, God is saying, listen, don't get it twisted. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And that's my word. So mark my word. Amen. So let's get into it. Let's do a little intro. Since Mark is the shortest gospel and about 90% of the, his material also occurs in Matthew, Luke, he has colorful detail that the others did not. For example, he mentions the way Jesus looked at the disciples, how he was angry and how he walked ahead of the, of the road to Jerusalem. He no doubt got these touches from Peter with whom he was associated at the end of Peter's life. So Mark wasn't necessarily one of the disciples, but he was uh, associated of Peter. They was tight. They was boys. They was friends. And so he's taking account of all these things that Peter are telling him. And it's mentioned um, 90% throughout of the, the four Gospels. So um, Mark Gospel is essential to Peter's reminiscence, which would account for the personal details, the actions, and eyewitness effect of the book, Mark, the associate of Peter. Again, that's just repeating uh, that which I had already said. <laughs> All right. So let's enter into Chapter 7, and I, and I want us to enter based off where we kind of end at 6. And at the end of the 6, it was saying, wherever he entered, 
into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they may they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. So whoever Jesus came in contact with was and that's and that happens today. And I was talking to Brother Bradley early before we got started and then we were talking about that um that contact, that intimacy, that relationship, that when I become in relationship with Christ, I start to form some form of contact, right? So we establish this contact with the Lord and think about it. Those things that I used to worry about, those struggles I used to go through, I find myself not having so much of those struggles and those things. Not that I'm not going to have them, right? We know that when we come to Christ, the troubles and trials will come. We know about that. But what you will notice is that when you do come in contact with Jesus, things that happen in your life, you all of a sudden you start to get well. You all start like, man, this is working in my favor. Like, what did I do different that I wasn't, oh, man, you know what? I'm coming in more contact with Jesus. Because I, I, I don't try it wrong, but now that I have established this contract, contact, right, and I have touched him, he now speaks with me, and we have a relationship. My life is a whole lot easier, and watch this, a whole lot better. Amen. That's that wellness. This is great. Mark my word. Watch this. Chapter 7. Defilement comes from within. So, hmm, uh, the note said I did not know that. <laughs> but let's get to reading first. Chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with, def with defile, that is, with unwashed hands, they, they found fault. So they looking to find um, fault, right? So they couldn't get Jesus on that. Now they're trying to find fault in his disciples. Like they want him that bad. That's how persistent the enemy is. Right? So then he says in verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of elders. Right? Special way is underlined. Tradition is underlined, if you're following in your Bibles. Verse 4 says, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Now, I left you some notes. Uh, from the outline. I'm not going to be able to go through the notes, but what I'm going through in the Bible study, if you read the notes, it'll all come together. So I'm going to try to go back a little for it, but I'm not going to be able to do all of it, right? So watch this. Then the Pharisees, verse 5 says, Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwatched hands? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of the hypocrites as it is written? These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is, their heart is far from me. Seven, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Verse eight, for laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men, they're washing their pitchers and cups, and many of such things you do. Verse nine said, he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and who and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man say to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received, from me you are carbon. 
that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you have handed down. And many such things you do. So he's talking to him. He's giving him the business. He's like, yo, so you so you hold on to traditions, but you the you hold the law. You don't even keep the law of Moses. If you're so caught up in tradition and holding all these rules and laws, verse 14 says, when he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them. So now he's no longer talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the multitude. He says, hear me, everyone that understands, there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. Amen. What does this mean? Right? So when Jesus goes and say, This hear me, I'm finna make an announcement. Right? So you know how the president of the United States may have the state of the union. So they go on TV, they close all the channels, you can only see the president. He's getting ready to make an announcement. He's getting ready to talk about the country. But it's like an announcement. So Jesus says, hear me, everyone, not someone, but everyone. I'm telling you right now, there is nothing that enters a man or woman from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. Last time I checked, everyone got ears. No one doesn't have ears. But watch this. This moment signaled the end of legal dispensation. Jesus began, God trumped the law, and was able to give the command saying, it is no longer that which enters a man's mouth that makes him unclean. So Jesus come in and say, listen, no more law, no more living under the law. I am here. I'm going to trump the law. I know this is the law that you guys have in place, but I'm declaring that to this day, no longer do you have to abide by this because what there's nothing that enters in nothing. Ooh, that's a big word. There's nothing that enters a man from the outside and that can fire him. But it what comes out that does. What do you mean, Brother Rock? Well, keep teaching. Watch this. Verse 17 says, when, when he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. He said, so he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive whatever man from outside can defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all food. Because it does not enter his heart. That's the key thing. Because it does not enter his heart. <laughs> Think about it. The things that come inside of you, whether it's, I don't know, whatever's bad that you may eat or in your mouth, Jesus is going to say it's purified. As a matter of fact, it comes out. So don't consider the pork chop unclean. I declare that it's clean or whatever it is that he said, because the key thing you claiming it's defiling, but the thing that gets defiled is the heart. And it doesn't defile the heart. Watch, verse 20 says, because the heart is wicked, right? We know that. Deception, all these, let me keep reading. And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? Well, what, well, let's let's answer that. What So that means what comes out of the heart, right? For, and verse 21, highlight this 
21, 22, and 23, right? Because this is from the heart. He says, for, for from within, out of the heart of men slash women, proceed evil thoughts, that's from the heart, adulteries, fornication, murderers, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from when and defile a man or a woman. My God. So therefore, all these things, theft, covetousness, wickedness, lewdness, evil eye, you know what I mean? That's a hard condition. And that's what defiles the person. That's what makes evil within the person. All He says, verse 23, things come from within. So these are evil actions. When we see evil actions, the heart, it comes from the heart. And that's what makes it unclean. Right? Watch this. Quick notes. And we'll keep moving. Hmm. If you look at your notes that I sent in the email or how you attain the outline, it says, hmm, didn't know that. His disciples ate with unwashed hands. This doesn't mean that the disciples did not wash their hands before they ate, but what they didn't grow go through the elaborate ritual prescribed by tradition. Unless, for instance, they washed up to their elbows, they were considered ceremonially defiled. I didn't know that. I didn't know in order to eat anything, you had to first wash up into your elbows. That's pretty good. Watch this. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who cursed father and mother, let him be put to death. That's the Old Testament. That's the law. That's the commandment, right, that they so holding so dear with tradition. So Jesus called him out on He says, well, Moses said you should honor your father and your mother. And if you don't, you die. So you got a lot of kids, right, that miss, you know, be mischievous and disobedient. They dishonor their mother and their father. Well, in the Old Testament, it wouldn't be no spanking. It would be death. Uh, it's a little different now, right? But Moses said, but God, Jesus said, you don't even uphold that. And he said, what do you mean? Well, he said, you yell Corbin. So what is Corbin? The death penalty was decreed for anyone who spoke evil his father or mother, but Jewish tradition had arisen known as Corbin. So they don't create their own Jewish tradition. And it says, when you say Corbin, which means given or, de- or dedicated, suppose that all he had to do was say Corbin, implying, oh, no, I'm sorry. Suppose that certain Jewish parents were in great need, right? So your parents in need, then your son or daughter for them, but didn't want to do it. Because the honor would be do the honor would be to care for him. All he had to do, he or she, was say Corbin, implying that his money was dedicated to God or the temple. This relieved him of any further responsibility to support his parents. He might keep the money indefinitely and use it as it in business. The tradition of saying Corbin the Lord th- treats not only as a wrong done to parents, but as a rebellious act against the express commandment of God. So Moses goes to hear all the commandments. So we know when Moses rolled out the commandments, the man- commandments are not for Moses. The commandments are for God. So if you're holding God so dear and you are holding tradition, yet you obey God by creating your own tradition of Corbin. So you can see how when Jesus comes, he's correcting all wrongs. And the Bible says when he comes again, he's going to make all wrong, right? But we can see why he's here on earth walking through, he's making the wrong right. What do you mean, brother? Well, he's calling them out on it. 
So therefore, we have the ability, the authority, and the power when we see something that's wrong to call whoever out on it according to the word of God. So you know you had that power. Yeah, call them out on it. And there's more. There's nothing in the man's mouth making him clean, legal deception, therefore, and so forth. Amen. Let's keep pressing. So a Gentile shows her faith, right? So verse 24, so we, 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 we Jesus is going to say, hey, nothing going to my mouth, made him unclean. I declare it to this day. Stick with that. Don't worry about that. You're good going forward, all right? So now we get to a story where a Gentile shows her faith. And verse 24 says, from there he rose and went to the region of Tyre and sit on. And he entered a house and waited no waited no one to know and wanted no one to know i'm sorry but he could not be hidden for a woman the uh, woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit so unclean spirits are running rapid during this time unclean spirits still running rapid today so we see another unclean spirit here and um heard about him um so he goes to another region he goes to tyree and sedan and he enters a house and he didn't want to be Knowing he was there, but unfortunately he couldn't hide. So a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. Say to your neighbor, news travel. So she heard that he was in the area. So she came. And she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophician. Oh, I know I pronounced that wrong. Syrophician by birth. Syrophician by birth. And she kept asking him, to cast the demon out of her daughter, right? All right? This is key because the woman was Greek. Why do the Bible say that? So highlight that, underline that. Because Jesus came with the king of the Jews. The gospel was attended, first given to the Gentiles, right? So all these miracles that he's performing, Jesus is like, hey, I'm here for my people, right? But here's the thing. Though she was a Jew, right, she kept asking. So highlight kept asking. So that means she was persistent, not for herself, but in the scene on behalf of her daughter, right, a mother's love. So 27 says, but Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dog. Now, Jesus wasn't necessarily calling her a dog, but he was using an example to show status in comparison. So the children were the children of Israel, the Jews. So now here comes a dog, right? But watch what she says, and I love it. Verse 28 says, and she answered and said to him, yes, Lord. So she's acknowledged that he is Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. My God. Verse 29 said, then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. What do you mean? She acknowledged, yes, you are Lord. You are God. That's what got it done, that acknowledgement. Because what? Every knee shall bow, every tongue that shall confess what? That Jesus is Lord. So once her faith let acknowledge, boom, she said, listen, I don't even need a whole piece of bread. I just need a crumb. If you can just give me a little crumb, that's enough to heal my daughter. Preach. I'm sorry, teach. I'm supposed to be teaching. Teach. I'm trying. So he says, by this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Amen. Verse 30 says, 
And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Amen. All he had to do was tell her that, oh, man, that's amazing. That's power. Verse 31 says, again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus is moving, right? The gospel is not sent still at all. He's moving. But he gone to another region, another state, another country, however you want to put it. He came through the midst of the region of the capitalist to the Sea of Galilee. Verse 32 says, then they brought him to then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment. So here's another miracle, impediment in his speech. And they begged, again, they begged. That word beg, beg has been this whole thing. They begging like, it's not like I'm just asking and expecting. It's like I'm asking in the sense of like I am begging you, please. So they're pleading. They, they're, they're, they're going before the Lord, right? They're persistent. They're not giving up. And um, this is say they beg, so this is on behalf, not for them. They speech is good. They use their speech to beg for their friend. So these are examples we need to use when I go in at night and I pray for my brother. I'm not praying for myself, but I know my brother in need of prayer. So, Lord, I beg you, in the name of Jesus, please heal my brother. Please get my brother this job. Please help my sister with this struggle. Please help my father with what he needs. So we're begging on behalf of our friends, right? So this good all-life lessons as we watch Jesus move, how we should be. So he put his hand on him, and he took him aside from the multitude and put his finger in his ear, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epfatah. Father, got it. That is, be open. Immediately his ears were open and the impediment of his tongue was loosened and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf and hear and the mute speak. So that's a two in one. So not only did he. He gave the power to hear and speak, but he did it at the same time. So that just shows his power. But what I love about it, he sighed and he looked to heaven. He like, because it's not I who is doing this. It's my father. But I look up to heaven for which comes my help. I look up to heaven for which these miracles are being performed. I am just a tool in a vessel. Right? Wow, that's powerful. And I got notes in the outline. Somebody read those when you have your leisure. We're going to keep pushing, all right? So now we're in chapter 8, our last chapter. And this chapter is titled, Feed the 4,000. And we start at verse 1. In those days, the multitude became very great and having nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude. So isn't that sweet to hear and know that when you come after Jesus and you follow Jesus, follow the Lord, he has compassion for you. So what does this compassion that the Lord has for us do? It triggers him to do just everything that he already does anyway, but especially for us who follow him. And the compassion uh, triggers uh, uh, provision, triggers providing, right? 
So we, we, we wonder and we see how the Lord is just providing for us in our everyday lives, and we, and we just sometimes, we're not mindful, but we should be thankful. Because he's compassionate, he could not be compassionate, and it could go wrong, right? But the Bible says in verse 2, I have compassion on the multitude. Why? Because they have continued with me three days and have nothing to eat, right? Three days, that's a long time not go eat, right? A sacrifice. And if I send them away hungry to their own house, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from a long way, have come afar. So this being that Jesus knows, so I'm saying, how do you know they're going to faint? Well, he's all-knowing, right? Verse 4 says, then his disciple answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? Well, if you think about it, Jesus supplied bread in the wilderness before, but they ain't paying attention. But what I love about it is what's impossible for man is possible with God. God takes what seems impossible and makes it possible. But we have situations in our lives that seem impossible. God makes it possible. He, then in verse 5, said, he asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven. So he commanded the, the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and he gave thanks. Highlight, underline, gave thanks. Because what I love about it, he took the loaves and what he did, he blessed it. Our food, even Jesus blessed his food. And so, Man, thank you for the food we bought. It. Well, Jesus did. He blessed his food. He bless your food. Like, bro, you ain't going to bless your fruit. Dang, sis, you ain't going to bless the food. <laughs> so we need to give thanks. The Bible said he gave thanks. It was only seven loaves to the eye, but Jesus, even for the seven, trying to feed a multitude, he gave thanks. Why? Because it could have been six. It could have been five. It could have been one. But no matter the number, he still was thankful for it. And that's the type of spirit we have to have. Amen. Watch. So he broke them and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And they sat them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish and having blessed them, he blessed them also. He set them also before them. So they ate and were filled and they took up the seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000. He sent them away. Immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Damanant. Okay, so here's the thing. This is the second time he fell, because remember, the first time was five loaves and two fish. But this time they had seven loaves. So the same God that provided before is the same God that's provided now. So he has performed this miracle a second time. So his disciples took part in it and, and, and witnessed it. But watch this. Let's go forward. Verse 11 says, Then the Pharisees came out, beginning to dispute with him, seeking for him a sign for heaven, testing him. So therefore, they haven't given up, though they went away for a couple of episodes. They're back, right? And they're still trying to get him on something, right? So now the Bible specifically says they are testing him. Well, how you test the teacher? You test the teacher. The teacher knows the answers. But they're trying to get him. Watch this. Verse 12 says, But he sighed deeply in his spirit. Again, this is the second sigh. So Jesus sighed. We got to pay attention to that because that shows emotion, right? We're just reading the page. We can't see his face, expression. He, but the Bible gives us some adjective. It says he's a verb. He says he sighed deeply. Where? In his spirit. Wow, from the inside. And he said, why does the generation seek a sign? Surely I say to you, no sign, no 
sign shall be given to the generation. Right? When God asks a question, he already knows the answer. So he says, why does this generation seek a sign? Surely, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. Uh-huh. Watch this. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And he left them to get into the boat again, departing to the other side. So he didn't even entertain them. He's like, I ain't giving you no sign. Y'all want a sign? I'm God. Do what I want. Keep pushing. Right? So sometimes people try to test you, bro. You don't owe them that. Keep pushing. Sis, keep pushing. Right? And he left them. So he got away. He's like, I'm out. Whatever. Not entertain. Let's go. So he left them to get into the boat again, depart to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take the bread. So they forgot the bread. Remember? Oh, man. So, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they um, reasoned amongst themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? But Jesus, beware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not? perceive not understand in your heart still heart is your heart still hardened having eyes do you not see having ears do you not hear and do you not remember when i broke five loaves for the five thousand how many baskets of fragments did you take up they said to him 12 he's okay so that time he took up 12 he said also when i broke the seven for the four thousand how many large baskets of fragments did you take up then they said seven verse 21 says he said to them how is it you do not understand. Hey, what you, what, we still don't understand. What, what do you mean? He said, I provided abundantly able to supply the needs of a handful in a boat. He said, if I provided for multitudes on two occasions, do you not understand I can provide for just a few of y'all in this boat? <laughs> My God, right? So we go to another miracle. Watch, a blind man healed at Bethesda. So verse 22 says, then he came to Bethesda, and they, and they brought, they, there you go, day again. Wow, what friends. They brought a blind man to him and begged him, they go beg again, to teach, to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spat on his eyes, he put his hands on him. He asked him if he saw anything. So now they brought the man in Bethesda to Jesus. But Jesus said, no, we're not going to do it right here. Let's go out of town right quick. So they take some out of town. So watch this this miracle happen in steps. So he had spat on his eyes and and put his hand on him. Right? So... That should get it done. He spit on his eyes, put his hand on him. He asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Okay. Verse 25, then he put his hand on his eyes again. So this is the second time. This, these are steps. And he made him look up and said, restored. And he, and he was restored and saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to the house saying, Neither go into town nor tell anyone in town. So here again, you say, listen, perform the miracle. Cool. You can see. Go do your thing. But don't tell nobody. Because remember he said it before and the other miracle forms, listen, don't tell nobody. But the mother too is like, man, this is amazing. Dude, he's a deaf man. Ain't see. Ain't here. Wow. They want to tell. We're going to get into that later on in the closing notes. Watch this. 
This is the first miracle that happened. Um, well, first of all, the blind man healed at Bethesda. Is the miracle, this miracle found only in Mark. This is the only cure in the gospel which took places in stages. So any other miracle that was performed was kind of like pretty much just right away, right? So that's a good note. So the Savior now told his disciples plainly that he must suffer, be rejected, be killed, and rise again. All right? So let's go into our next segment. This is Peter confesses Jesus as the, as the Christ, right? This is the confession. As we say in our Bible study, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Okay, so here's Peter's confession. Uh, confession. Verse 27 says, Now Jesus and his disciples went out of the town, says a real so on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? I like that I am, right? That's God. God said, I am who I am. So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah and others one others, one of the prophets. Verse twenty nine he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered, said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. Amen. So therefore, Peter makes his confession. He believes, he said, Jesus is the Christ that has been written to come. Amen. So Jesus predicts his death and resurrection, verse 31. And began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke these words openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. So this is the first time you hear Jesus call the enemy's name, the devil's name, Satan. Like he specifically says his name, all right? So therefore, he's letting us know what's at hand and who's at hand in this time. So Peter tries to rebuke Jesus. But when he turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. What an exclamation point if you guys are following on your Bible. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Amen. I got to stop right there because this needs to be a clear Bible study note made here. Now, not that Jesus was accusing Peter of being Satan, or of of being indwelt by Satan. He meant you are talking like Satan would. He also tried to discourage us from wholly obeying God. He tempts us to take an easy path to the throne. So God said, these are the things I must do. I must be rejected by the priest. I must be rejected by the elder. I'm going to be killed and I'm going to come back. And I'll say to Peter, oh, no, you don't have to. He's like, get behind me, say, I know what I have to do. Because <laughs> he knows it's at hand, right? So, no, uh, Jesus first looked at his disciples and rebuked Peter as if to say, if I don't go to the cross, how can these, my disciples, be saved? So he lets them know that it has to be done because if I don't do it, you guys won't be saved. And what? Satan don't want you to be saved.
I love it because he doesn't look at Peter. He looks at his disciples and say, listen, get behind me, Satan. I know that's you, but I'm looking at y'all. For y'all, I got to do this so you guys will be saved. Then Jesus said to them, in effect, I am going to suffer and die so that men might be saved. If you desire to come after me, you must deny every selfish impulse, deliberate, choose a pathway of reproach, suffer and death, and follow me. Right? So let's finish this chapter out and close out for the night. Ahead of time. All right. When he had called the people to him, and his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? So ultimately he's like, yo, what will it profit? And it's about the soul. And I don't want you to lose the soul. So let's stay away from the world. Let's focus on the soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whatever is ashamed, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when it comes in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. So he asked us to spend and be spent in his holy service, laying down our lives necessary for the evangelism of the world. So it's about soul saving at this point for the Lord. He's letting them know that's why um, he is here. So we're narrowing down. We're getting halfway point to uh, go into transfiguration, which will be next time we have our Bible study. All right. So let's read the closing note. Um, the Lord asked the people not to publicize the miracle, but they just disregarded his instructions. Disobedience can never be justified, no matter how well-meaning the person may be. Our Lord is sovereign and not obligated to account to us for his actions. There was a valid reason for everything. So he wasn't just not telling them not to. Yeah, we know you, but it's a reason in it for everything that the Lord does in our lives, and it's for our good. All right? Um, it's for his glory. So there was, there, uh, there was a valid reason for everything. He did, he did, even though he might not perceive it. Every case of healing is different. Every case of conversion is different, right? Some gain remarkable spiritual sight as soon as they are converted. Others see dimly, dimly at first, then later end into a full assurance of salvation, right? So salvation, you know, some people got the miracle right away. It didn't take a whole lot. Lord, you are Christ. I believe. I am saved. Some steps, some took a little longer, took a different step, took a different conversion, took a different path, but that's okay. Ultimately, he was healed. He was able to see he was saved. And here's the thing is, no matter how our testimony, how we get to Jesus, whether it was Sunday at church, whether it was on the street, whether it was just sitting in your house, as long as we get it, because ultimately it's about the soul. And that's what God's mission is for that all us to be saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this Bible study tonight, Father God. We thank you for an awesome word. We thank you for showing us how to walk and be like you, Father God. Lord, to abide in you and not the law, Father God, for you are ultimately of, over the law and created the law, Father God. Lord, we thank you for blocking Satan, blocking the enemy from deterring us from you, Father God, to, so that we may have a clean heart, Father God, that we 
our hearts are not defiled, Father God. So, Father God, continue to bless us with a clean heart, a right mind, and understanding. Father God, so we press forward to this week, Father God, and not away from you, Father God. With anything that we've done this week that might not have been pleasing to you, Father God, we have to have for a clean mind, a clean heart, again, and we love you and we thank you in all that we do. It's in your son, Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.